You are now about to witness the strength of Raider Nation. I know what it's like to lose. Feel so desperately that you're right. Yet to fail. Raiders get cooked in Minnesota. Thank you for tuning in, Raider Nation. As Dalvin Cook is the X-Factor and goes buck wild on the Raiders' defense. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. Make sure to subscribe. That'll help me out a lot. As we try to recover from the hangover of a horrible, horrible, wretched, disgusting performance by our 2019 Oakland Raiders. I'm just crawling out of a hole I've been in since yesterday. After the game, went out back. Dug a hole in the ground, crawled in with a bottle of Jack. You know how it goes. And isn't it a lovely morning? Absolutely no, it's not. It's uh, it's about, about as bad as the morning gets, uh, Sheriff. We haven't had a good morning since week one. Is there anything more annoying in the morning than morning people? Answer's no. There could be a meteor falling out of the sky. Isn't it a lovely morning? The sky's red, man. I'm throwing you in traffic. No one on this earth is more annoying than morning people. Well, besides Viking fans and the team and the whole shitty state of Minnesota. Enjoy your fucking 20-foot winter buried in snow. So what now, nation? Is it time to give up on this team, turn our backs? Hell no. Only time it ever is, it's time to complain and bitch when this team don't play well. Plenty of times throughout my entire life but we'll all be back next Sunday uh, for some more punishment because we're gluttons for punishment. We love the life of self-torture, uh, although this organization and team put us through pain throughout the entire week. We're back for more like heroin addicts on Sunday. Like, you know, basically saying, uh, why don't you disappoint us and embarrass us again? And sometimes it gets misconstrued. Yeah, there's complaints. We love our team, and when they ain't performing how they should or we unrealistically expect, we get angry. It's the way it is. And a lot of us fans have every right to complain about this. It's been over 30 years I've been rooting for this team. 30 years of heartache and disappointment. 30 years of a shitty stadium with a baseball field in the middle of it. Actually, about 35 years. By the way, is there a bigger piece of crap in the league right now than Matt Nagy? Yeah, run up the score, you scumbag. So yeah, I'm a little upset about a lot of things. It's all coming to, it's all coming out now. So yeah, if I want to bitch about shitty play by this team, I'm going to. Doesn't mean I'm a bad fan or unloyal fan. Get your shit together. Know you're capable of playing better than this. Some of you are basically on the team's payroll, which is great. But uh, it makes it hard because you can't really say anything negative. And I feel you on that one. It's hard to stay positive. Because I know your head probably wants to blow right off the top of your neck into the atmosphere. I want to reach through the TV and strangle some Viking players and fans, and even some of our own players. And by the way, real classy, Viking fans, real classy. Carlson comes out to kick a field goal. Look, your organization is fine without him. You guys are up big, and then you still boo the guy coming out to kick a field goal. Real classy. I hope a dirty, hobo-looking, classless, garbage Viking fan is listening, because you guys are true pieces of crap for that one.
Cause someone needs to take that damn horn and shove it up all you guys' Alright, let me take a step back here. Um, what you guys did was petty, classless, and uh, we don't appreciate it. Just kidding. I'm a firm believer in home field advantage. I grew up watching the LA Raiders, the 80s Raiders. That's where I grew up, playing in that decrepit, disgusting LA Coliseum. And not the one today that the Rams play in. No, the ones the Raiders played in had a track around it, you know, for track and field. And living in LA, you couldn't even watch Raider games at home. The whole time in Los Angeles, never saw a Raider game at home on television. Had to go to a Raider game live at the Coliseum to see them. So for a lot of my childhood, I never got to see the Raiders play at home. I never got to see them live in those black uniforms. Right? Right? Cry for me. So even today, watching them at home on television, you know, those little things like that, take for granted. I remember one moment specifically, 1985 playoffs, Raiders hosting the New England Patriots at home. I'm just sitting at home waiting for the final results, waiting for the win, so we can go play the Dolphins and then head to the Super Bowl. I just remember my stepdad getting home and and uh, bragging about the Raiders lost. They didn't... The Patriots didn't beat him. They beat themselves. And he was all happy because I think he had a little money on the Patriots to cover whatever spread it was at the time. But I was so angry. And I was angry at him for being happy about it. And I never got to see the game live, but they went ahead and lost. That's a 10-year-old boy. First heartbreak I can remember. But at the Coliseum, I wanted that home field advantage. I truly wanted it. One time, a Steeler fan got beat up in the stands, carried out on a stretcher. I thought that was uh, appropriate. Sorry, home field advantage. Don't come in our stands cheering. We're going to get knocked the hell out. I remember going to a Raiders game against the uh, Niners in preseason. Joe Montana played a little bit. Steve Young came in as a backup, was tearing it up all across the field. I was just a little kid at this time, but I saw a Niners fan jumping up, cheering. And I just wanted to go over there and uh, uh, push him down the stairs, let's say. The Raiders went back to Oakland. That home field advantage came back. That home field advantage was what I wanted it to be. And I heard about guys in the stands throwing D batteries at players, at Chiefs. And, uh, yeah, well, whatever. You might say it's classless. You might say it's out of control. To me, it's home field advantage. And that's what you're going to have to deal with. You're basically wearing armor anyway and making millions. Stop crying, you whiny-ass chiefs. So I believe in that home field advantage. And then when the Raiders went back to Oakland, of course, a black hole came back and was famous again. I mean, when Raiders are in Oakland, that's when you see the true love and passion from the fans in those stands. There's no one like Raider Nation in black hole. You all know that. Secretly, other fans want to make fun of us. You know, they try to dress up and show their passion. They're all following, you know, Raider fans' lead. And there's no doubt about that. And the sincerest form of flattery uh, is imitation. So all the rest of you fans, I know you won't say it, but, you know, we appreciate that in that way that you're copying us. We appreciate it in that way. But you will never be on that level of Raider Nation. And so with home field advantage... Daniel Carson, you're facing your demons. You're facing 
and glass-eyed Mike Zimmer and those dirty, long-haired, homeless Viking guys. You gotta face your demons and make that kick. It's okay that you didn't. That kick would have pulled us within, what, three touchdowns? When you lined up, I had a bad feeling you'd miss, but hey, we're all human. Well, Raider Nation is a special kind of human, a tortured and cursed human. Very much like in those pirate movies, those pirates on those uh, ghost ships. That's Raider Nation, cruising the world, the oceans, looking for that special treasure that'll cure the curse. You know, that special ring, that, that Vince Lombardi trophy, those treasures will cure the curse. Until then, it's a madhouse with guys with eyeballs popping out and coral growing off their face and half shark fin heads. Squid faces. And Jack Sparrow. Captain Jack Swallows. At your service. Jack Swallows? <laughs> Alright, so I guess it's time to talk about the game. I've been trying to avoid this. Well, let's get into it. Car, 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 car wreck. Where do we start? Skittish in the pocket, you know, panicked and outrageous throws. Can't stand tall in the pocket. Under pressures, panicked. Uninspired effort. Looks like uh, his three and outs and one yard, two yard passes were draining the offense and the defense. In the first half, when it mattered, he threw an unexcusable, unforgivable interception about 10 miles over the head of the receiver. 30 yards downfield into the arms of a waiting safety. What are you doing? And I've been on my podcast supporting Carr, saying I believe in him. You know, putting all my faith in that guy. But that belief is getting weaker and weaker by the day, especially after performances like that. I can't defend that. I can't do anything with that. The first game he did things that I thought he was, you know, things he should have done. Things I wanted to see and I expected. Second and third game has been a big regression back to the car we've seen for the past three years. Or two years. First half when we needed some sustained drives. When we needed Carr to make some plays. We needed him to do what those elite quarterbacks out there do. Those Mahomes, those Russell Wilson types, Deshaun Watsons. We needed him to make a play and he didn't happen. Instead went in the locker room down 28-7. to Yeah, he started making some throws in the second half. And had a touchdown or whatever. But the game was well out of hand by that time. Um, we need a reaction sooner than that. Sooner than when the game is over by halftime. We need a reaction uh, when, right when they score a touchdown. Maybe you answer back with a touchdown. That would be nice. And then you hear Zimmer say that the Raiders were afraid of our blitzes. So they max protected. And we were able to beat it. Afraid of the blitzes. The Raiders. What he's saying is Derek Carr is afraid of the blitzes. And Brady and guys like that face those blitzes. They got a bunch of receivers. And then the blitz comes. They see where the open guy is. And they throw it there. I see that all the time. But I don't see it from Derek Carr. All I see from him is when the blitz comes. He crumbles up. So does Derek Carr look like he has it? Right now it doesn't look like he's got it. And if you look at Derek Carr's passer rating. You see he is pretty decent. But passer rating is only based on stats, end game stats. What is a more fair assessment is QBR. QBR is the quarterback's performance-based uh, assessment, grading 0 to 100, 100 being perfect and the greatest ever, and 0 being a 0. 
a 90 and above grade is elite grade in the 80s is considered pretty damn good uh, mid 70s is a starter level and 50 would be about average Derek Carr's QBR last year 46.5 Derek Carr's QBR so far this year 46.5 so uh I might have been wrong about Carr, but anyways, I'm sick of talking about Carr. Let's move on to the next culprit, the offensive line. The offensive line lost the trenches. They lost the battle with Minnesota Vikings' defensive line. They were out-muscled, uh, embarrassed in Minnesota on national TV. But this line isn't at full strength. We have yet to see the projected starting five for this group. When all five are in and had some games together, that's when I can judge it. But I can say, and this is pretty obvious, Colton Miller is going to be the weak link. And we need to see improvement from Colton Miller. He's playing like Kaka right now. His run blocking is very similar to what uh, human beings drop in a toilet. The O-line overall played on that level. There was no running inside. There's no blitz pickups. Uh, it was atrocious. I felt the coaches should use Josh Jacobs more, spread him around, um, line him up in different positions, send him in motion, send him out wide. None of that happened. He didn't even catch a pass. This whole offense is uninspiring right now, I'm, and I'm not, I don't know what the reason is. I'm not seeing the versatility I expected or why there is no versatility and the play calling seems so bland. Where is the blame for all that lie right now? The one bright spot on offense was Darren Waller. A little stat for you. Jared Cook threw three games, five catches, 60-something yards. Darren Waller threw three games, 26 catches, over 260 yards. And uh, right now that's a blowout. 26 catches to five, 260 yards to 60. So that is a very bright spot. Darren Waller continues to show that he is trending towards becoming an elite tight end as opposing players and opponents continue to say that this guy is going to become a problem. So let's hope Waller continues to shine. And when it's time to get paid, let's hope he remembers the Raiders' loyalty and belief in him, giving him that second chance. Now, on the wide receiver side of things, it's a little different. Uh, Tyrell Williams was held to 18 yards basically most of the game. Picked up 11, you know, picked up a garbage time touchdown, 11 yard touchdown. JJ Nelson, who produced 30 more yards, 31 more yards on one play than Ryan Grant has in two weeks, um, was an improvement. He did have that 29 yard touchdown catch, and I think he will become more involved in the offense as the season goes along even though on that particular play it took a flea flicker to get the Raiders on the board in the first half a flea flicker the original trick play back when uh it was the very first trick play I think back when they were running quadruple option with the single wing or x-wing fighter formation whatever it was called um back in the 1700s there's so many more trick plays these days that the flea flicker, I'm worried if that's the innovative trick play that Gruden's got on his play sheet. We're in trouble. Where's Gruden getting the idea for the flea flicker? I hope he's not getting it from that 
nationwide Peyton Manning commercial. How'd you know? Studying my playbook? I guess you can't really complain. It's pretty much the only play that worked. And uh, I'm getting pretty sick of all these quarterbacks trying to sell us insurance. It's, you know, worry about the playbook. Don't worry about my home and auto insurance policies. Come on, man. What? What's this? Uh, my technical producer uh, just handed me something. Seems we cannot play the Thanos clip because we might get sued by Marvel. I got a little, a little answer for that. Um, joke's on them. In order to find out, someone would have to be listening. So, what are they going to do? Not worried about it. Uh, by the way, shout out to my, my woman, my friends who are listening. And thanks for the support. Okay, where were we? The offense. and Oh, yeah, the calls for Derek Carr's head. Which I can understand being frustrated with Carr. The calls to replace him with Colin Kaepernick. One more time, Colin Kaepernick. I don't know what to say. <laughs> come on, man. Come on. If you're suggesting Cap come in to replace Carr, uh, can't take you seriously. There's just no way in hell. Who do you think Colin Kaepernick is? He's RG3. He's a washed-up second or third-string option. That can't be a starter because he doesn't have the mental processor. And at that level of play, he is not worth the headache he would cause the organization on non-related football, you know, distractions and questions. In other words, he's not good enough to be worth the headache he's going to be bringing to a team. If he was that good, he could wear pig socks to every practice, every game, and they would put up with it. That's the bottom line. We've seen that. He's not good enough them to put up with it his political activism works against him and the media criticism and the headache it would make the organization look like a joke so let's let's think these things all the way through guys let's let's really use our brains on these decisions let's not make bad decisions piled on top of crap decisions piled on top of idiotic really stupid decisions so that's the doomsday portion of the pod Let's start to look at uh, the bright side, the positive side, new sunrise, a new day. Let's not forget we were facing one of the top defensive lines in the NFL and top defenses overall. And those guys have played together for like five or six years. Top-notch defense. Also the fact Incognito is coming back for his first game. The offensive line is going to need time to get acclimated to itself, like I've said. Trent Brown was slowed with an injury. Colton Miller is being Colton Miller. Uh, so this line is going to improve in the future. Tyrell Williams was also slowed. I know I mentioned he didn't do very much, but I believe it's because of his hip injury. He hasn't been doing much ever since he got that injury. His explosiveness is kind of kind of gone. We mentioned J.J. Nelson. I mean, he's just getting started. He's back in the lineup. Hopefully he stays healthy. And, of course, Darren Waller. You know, we mentioned him exploding out of the gates and his continued improvement and expectations of that. So really, my bold prediction is this team will improve because 
Um, there's really no way they could play worse. You know, at the bottom, bottom right now. And this is just the start of the road trip. It's a huge road trip. This is where they're either going to fall apart or come together. But I believe the makeup of this team is of guys that are going to come together and figure this thing out. I think on the other side of this road trip, this team's going to come back tougher, stronger, and ready, you know, a totally different team. And I'm thinking after the London game is about when Gabe Jackson will come back in the lineup. And again, it'll take them a few games after that to gel. On the defensive side of the ball, there's a few veterans to hear Whitehead, Vontaze Burvick, Lamarcus Joyner, um, saying that they are going to get this thing fixed. They're going to get it addressed. Well, please get Gary on Conley addressed. He's turning into Gary on Hayden right now. And uh, Curtis Riley, I'd rather just have him out of the lineup. Uh, remember that guy Justin Burris they cut to let, you know, to sign Trevor Davis, that kick returner? He only had an interception in the game he played. Just imagine uh, the kind of looking at Curtis Riley. I think Justin Burris would have been a tremendous help. You know, Curtis Riley is. I think he's got the wrong idea. You're supposed to stop the team from scoring, and Curtis Riley's kind of helping them score. So, yeah, maybe stop doing that. Or I won't be surprised if Aaron Rodgers and that shady agent show up offering you some life insurance because you're going to need it. That uh, that agent in State Farm commercials, that guy's got to be based off Drew Rosenhaus. I mean, the damage control this guy's had to do for his client, he's really earning his money there, the Antonio Brown thing. Uh, you know, spin doctor twisting the truth, you know, weasel snake words that he uses, uh, robust interest in his client. And yeah, in the XFL and CFL probably. When he uses words with S's in them, you kind of hear the slithering and see the slit in his tongue. Weasel snake agents. They're, the State Farm agent is real is exactly based off of Drew Rosenhaus. And hopefully, that's the last we hear from Rosenhaus and his client, Brown. You know, Antonio Brown has been making millions off reactions from people. Most of all, don't like him. But it doesn't really matter. As long as he gets a reaction, he gets paid. I just feel like Antonio Brown reminds me of this, this movie I saw as a kid. Where there's this witch in it. And everyone turned around to ignore her. I can't remember all the movie. Just this major part. Um, she was like, look at me, look at me, whatever. Everyone's giving her attention. And then one kid, or adult, I forget, came up with the bright idea of why don't we just turn around and ignore her and she'll go away. And sure enough, the whole village turned, turned their back on the witch and ignored her and she started shrinking. And she started, you know, screaming and saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, as she shrunk out of existence into nothing I feel that if we did that to Antonio Brown the same thing would happen and Brown recently got flushed from the Patriots and is probably out of the NFL for good now some stubborn Browns need a double flush before they go down before they go away hopefully this is the case hopefully this is the last we hear of Antonio Brown and he just circle the drain and fade away out of existence and with that we'll end it on a happy note I'll have a, another pot up you know in a few days 
that's all I got for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you all were listening, and any feedback's appreciated. Remember to go ahead and subscribe. It really helped me out. And uh, thanks for listening. I always hope for the best nation, but there will be no sugarcoating here. So I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, keep it silver and black. There's only one nation, baby. And I'll see you guys next time.